are Locked On Sun Devils, your daily podcast on the Arizona State Sun Devils. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to a Monday edition of the Locked On Sun Devils podcast. Going to be doing the podcast solo today without Richie Bradshaw, but uh, you can still expect great content for today. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have a lot of great news to talk about as the Sun Devils football and basketball team fell short over this last week, or at least their last games. Today, we're going to be focusing specifically on football, and then in Tuesday's edition of the podcast, we'll be talking about the basketball game. As far as the Sun Devils on, on their football game this last Saturday against Oregon State, normally we're going to do our good and bad and ugly segments. Not going to lie, there's not a lot of good to talk about, so we're going to be talking about kind of a lot of the bad, and maybe some things that are really worse than others, as they have one game left to play for the season. Uh, but thank you for making Locked on Sun Devils your first listen every day. This episode is also brought to you by Sonos. Uh, reinventing home audio for today and tomorrow, the smart home sound system helped the world listen better. So as I had mentioned, uh, before I dig into the rest of the podcast, I should say, uh, make sure to follow me on Twitter. You can find me at Cedrios. Uh, my co-host, who is normally here with me, you can find him at Richie Brads with a Z36. We also have our Twitter page for Lockdown Sun Devils. That's at LO underscore Sun Devils. We also have content that comes out Monday through Friday. Today, it's going to be a little bit different this week, just with the holiday for Thanksgiving. So we'll have content come out uh, Monday through Wednesday, and then we'll have a Friday edition of the podcast. But you can find that on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Odyssey app, or wherever else you get your podcast. So let's dig into this game against Oregon State. They ended up losing 24-10 to in a game that really felt like it was out of hand kind of from the beginning. Uh, I mean, for the most part, they were down 17 nothing again. Like, they were down again to Washington. I, I think it was 14 nothing. not necessarily just in the first half. They had made a comeback up to that point. But something ASU has talked about all year long is being a second-half team. Somebody who always has been able to make adjustments for the most part. I, I shouldn't say always. There's been some games where they weren't able to buckle down for one reason or another, but the, the game against Washington was a prime example. They got off to a slow start and Rashad White and the defense were able to haul this team back from the dead in order to come back and win. This week, they found out 17 nothing, and ASU did not put up any points in the first half whatsoever. They didn't end up scoring 10 in the second half and outscored Oregon State, but it just, it wasn't enough. But I, at this point, like you can brag as a Sunderville fan about being so great and so dominant generally in the second half. But when you are just as bad, if not worse, in the first half, it, it kind of doesn't matter. At that point, you're digging yourself a hole in the first half of the game. And then you're trying to dig up and, and it just, it doesn't work. There's been some times where it was a nice narrative. Uh, but when the Sun Devils just come out so flat. I'm just, I'm not sure how we can take this away as a positive anymore. It's almost like you're playing with fire of like, we gave the other team this many points to start the game and we still won. That's all well and good. But when you start playing some more quality teams like Oregon State, you're just, you're not going to get away with that. Even for Oregon State, I question whether they're more athletic, uh, if they're more talented. They're certainly uh, not more experienced than the Sun Devils team. But I'll tell you what, they are the better football team, and they clearly showed it. it. It feels like ASU this year is playing for less and less by the week. Like While that is actually just a fact, uh, with Utah beating Oregon this last week, they can no longer win the Pac-12 South. 
uh, that goal is out of reach. It just it feels like there's nothing coming from the the remaining student body, whether they're going on to the NFL or players that are graduating and no longer playing football anymore. It just it feels like there's just no life left in this team. So team's been a second half team generally all season long, but that's it's just not enough anymore. So that leads me to my next point it is the coaching staff. Now, there's kind of a short-term aspect and a long-term aspect of the coaches, but in the short term, I, I can't tell you how many games it feels like this year where they're just, they're not on point to start the game. And I understand that it's not going to happen week in and out, and especially that depends on your opponent and how well they've schemed you up from the tape that they've watched. But consistently, it feels like Herm Edwards and company do not get this team ready to play and it just continues to show. I, I Short of playing maybe some of the easier games on our schedule this season, uh, or maybe even like the, I think it was the first half against Utah where we had a, a huge like three possession lead or something heading into half, they're consistently down. And it just, it seems like the staff is just never getting this team ready to play. At some point, now we're in year four with Herm Edwards, I believe. Here comes the long-term perspective. I'm, I'm not sure Ray Anderson needs to keep them around. Because you, you kind of have a, a couple different decisions to make. You can keep Herm Edwards around, and maybe even most of the coaching staff, maybe a couple subtle changes. You can come back next year. You're going to lose a lot of your veterans that might be on the defensive side mostly, but uh, lose some other players on the offensive side as well, uh, whether it's the drafter or people that are just graduating, uh, such as Kellen Deesh or Rashad White. You can come back with, with some of the same minds for the team, but where does that get you? You're getting a lot of inexperienced players coming up to play for you, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. At some point, you need to get new talent in, and regardless of, of how well some of the uh, players, especially on the defensive side, how talented Richie and I feel like they are, there, there's just there's going to be a time for change, right? Uh, the other option you can take is sitting down and looking at Herm Edwards and thinking, is he really the guy? I, I think back to... About four years ago now, when we left the, the Todd Graham era, I'm not sure we're any better off. I, I think Herm Edwards can serve the, any sentence, any phrase, any situation to you on a silver platter in one of his press conferences, and he'll make you feel good about it. I, I know personally, I have listened to him talk, and he just makes me feel so good about myself. He makes me feel so confident in who the Sun Devils are, but it's not reflected on the football field. So I, I think... Herm Edwards, while he's probably a great guy, I'm not sure this is the position for him. Do I think he's going to get fired if you had to absolutely make me answer right now? No. I, I think he's coming back for one more season to kind of finish this out, but that's where the long-term view comes in. And I feel like you're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place either way. Is This is not just a, a game against Oregon State problem. You've got the least amount of recruits coming in from the 2022 class. I, I think we're sitting at about five, if I'm not mistaken. And only one of them, I think, is a four-star. You have a lot of players leaving due to the draft or the or graduating. Uh, I, I think the Sun Devils team, they're about to take a serious tumble in the Pac-12 standings. Yes, they could probably finish second, uh, especially if they beat U of A next week. But what does that get you? You're, you're getting probably a very crummy, who cares kind of bowl, which at the end of the day, a bowl game is better than no bowl game at all. But that being said, it's not going to be one of the big, uh, big holiday bowls. You're not playing for the college football champion or the playoffs at all I, I just I think this team and the coaching staff are kind of stuck where they're at and while they could go into next year and potentially get a, another six to eight win season and feel kind of good about themselves 
if your standard is mediocrity, I think you can leave them in places they are. But while Oregon State, this this is probably not the last straw. It really was probably earlier on in the season. I don't think this coaching staff has what it takes to be able to push this team, especially a team of just talented players over the top. Uh, in terms of like the experience levels that they have, we're going to talk about that a little bit in the next segment. Uh, speaking mostly to the penalties that have been an issue all season long. You're listening to the Locked On Sun Devils podcast. All right, college football fanatics, have you heard about Price Picks? Price Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love this, and I know you will too. Price Picks is the leader in college sports daily fantasy. They offer more college football props than anyone in the world and offers all the star players of the Power Five, as well as mid major players you might not have ever heard of. Price Picks offers you any prop you can think of, from yardage to touchdowns, even interceptions thrown. Here's how it works. You're going to use the promo code locked on and all of the users that use this code are going to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Again, just be sure to use that promo code locked on. You can pick two to five players and an over under on their projections and you can win up to 10 times on any entry and it's just you versus the projected numbers. Price picks also allows mixed sports entries and how this works is you can take the over on LeBron combined with the under on Mahomes in the exact same entry. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. PricePix is safe and offers fast withdrawals. Don't hesitate. Check out PricePix.com and use that promo code LOCKEDON or go to your App Store and download the app today. PricePix is daily fantasy made easy. We're back for the second segment of the Monday edition of the Locked On Sundables podcast. Thank you again for making the Locked On Sundables your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. I had talked in the first segment, essentially for this upcoming one, the amount of penalties this ASU team has taken all season long. I, I know if you've been hanging with us all season, we sound like a broken record, but it is so incredibly frustrating. I, I'm not sure how you can expect in this case, you had 10 penalties uh, for 64 yards. Once again, just proving you really how much penalties are holding this team back. I think seven of those penalties were also false starts. Two of them, I think, came on consecutive plays in the very last drive of the game. At some point in the first segment, I had bashed on the coaching staff for not getting this team ready to play. And I think that is 100% true. But at the same time, when your experienced group of starters on both sides of the ball are continuing to be a problem with penalties each week, you can't always put that in the coach as well. Like at some point, you got to get in these kids' head even if your coaches have the perfect game plan, they schemed up exactly what you need to do in order to beat team X, Y, or Z. If you don't have people in place to be able to, to go out there and execute according to that game plan or be able to make adjustments, they might end up essentially just causing all these penalties like ASU's been doing all season. So uh, I, I really hope this isn't a narrative that gets taken into the following season. If Herm Edwards is still leading this team as their head coach, you never know. Uh, I mean, improvement at this point, considering ASU, I think, is the, in the top 10 for most penalized teams in all of college football. The bar is set extremely low for what improvement looks like next time, uh, for the next season. I, I mean, in my opinion, it's got to be closer to the, to the middle of the pack, if not even like a little bit better than that. It's not like you have to go from one extreme to the other, um, but you have to see massive, massive improvements because if not, you're 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 starting each game essentially with a handicap. So you're combining with the penalties uh, and essentially um, 
what you're digging yourself in a hole in terms of like not starting very quickly. Both of those combined together, I mean, that's just a recipe for disaster. And honestly, it's pretty impressive that ASU's even at where they are at right now is pretty impressive. Now this week, or even in like a lot of our losses, I feel like we'd be doing a disservice to everyone listening to this podcast. If we're not talking about Jaden Daniels. There was a time, and I can remember this, and if you've been following this team for the last couple of years as well, you probably can too. Jaden Daniels came to this team with a ton of hype. He was, if not the number one, depending on who is ranking, he was the number one or two dual threat quarterback, five-star player that ASU had nabbed up to be able to come in and play quarterback who had started as a true freshman. I mean, a ton of hype around this kid. There's a lot of people who I'd also talked to, which foolish take or not, but there were people who thought this kid would be playing on Sundays after he was starting as a freshman. Jaden Daniels, second season, only got to play four games, essentially in a COVID-riddled season. So I feel like there's a little bit of experience stolen from him. But at the same time, watching him this season, he has absolutely just, he has, has struggled so mightily. People could defend Jaden, especially at the first season, season and a half, because he didn't turn the ball over. He was so crisp, generally very efficient. And while some of his stats have gone up, such as like his completion percentage this season, he has eight touchdowns to eight interceptions on the season. And that is in 11 games played. Jaden has six games without a touchdown pass. And he's got no more than two in any single game this year. The the offense as a whole, at least in terms of the passing game, is just totally, totally soured. Like seriously, like if... If Rashad White is not on this team, who's the ball going to? Who can they who can they trust, whether it's first down, third down? Who can they trust as their chain mover? I, I understand other players have flashed this season. Ricky Pearsall's had his moments. LV Bunkley Shelton's been nice. But if it's not Rashad White, I'm very concerned of where to think this ASU team, even just this year with all, all the other talent they have right now, where they would be. I'm not sure they have the depth to be able to backfill uh, everybody who is leaving their team this offseason, especially Rashad White. So, and we can at least all agree that this team is a rushing team. When you have as good of a one-two punch as Rashad White and Chip Traynham, it's one of the best in the nation. So I, I understand that even with Chip getting benched at least the last couple weeks, like their their best ability to win a football game is going to be on the ground. But when the situation calls for Jaden Jaden sorry, Jaden Daniels, to be able to pass, he has to at least be efficient, and he's not doing that. And where that's going to continue to hurt you is it's now affecting a guy like Rashad White. Yes, he had like 125 overall scrimmage yards this game. If you hear that, that sounds great. But on the ground, he had just over two and a half per carry. That's because Jaden is missing guys wide open. Uh, he has now thrown an interception in four straight games when Jaden Daniels does not put the fear of God into the opposing defense. It does absolutely nothing. In fact, it's more detrimental to your run game than anything else. I understand, especially in college, how passing the ball is so much more cool. It's, it can be more efficient. This is not necessarily like me standing on a soapbox saying we have to establish the run, but the run game is important. And when you're extremely one-dimensional, like ASU has been this year, it allows them to key in on Rashad just like they did. Now, Rashad did end up uh, leading the ASU Sun Devils in total receiving yards. But even then, like they just didn't have much of a run game as a whole. And a lot of the uh, uh, the receiving yards for this team in general kind of came in garbage time, just trying to play a little bit of catch up. So the offense is just totally staled through the air. I I'm not sure where it's going to go into next season. 
Uh, that kind of plays back into what I was talking about in the first segment. For the long-term view of this team, I'm I'm not sure Jaden Daniels has gotten any better. Seriously, if anything, he might have even taken a step back from what he's shown us in the first year, year and a half. Could he get better going into his senior year? Sure. But how how high are we really talking? Because at this point, I, I think he just is what he is, and he's not going to lead this team where it needs to be. Are his receivers a little bit different than what they've been in the last couple years? Yes. They, he's not playing with uh, Nikhil Harry and Brendan Ayuk and Frank Darby anymore. It, it's probably a step down than what he's had. But I also don't think he does his receivers any favors. Like, he, he's not... It doesn't feel like he's throwing his guys open uh, consistently. Uh, when he's taking some of the shots downfield, uh, maybe he's missing them by several feet, uh, even though they have several yards uh, of separation in between them and the defender. So they're they're definitely not very opportunistic that way. After Rashad White's 86 receiving yards, it drops off significantly to Ricky Pearsall at 42, then to Elijah Badger at 22. And we're only talking like a couple receptions each for some of these guys. So... Yes, he got more passing volume than he did the week before in Washington. Maybe that was just due to the rain before, but 16-27 for an interception, no touchdowns. Jaden Daniels just isn't very impressive at this point, and it's, it's going to continue to hurt the receiving game. So if he comes back for the following season, uh, I'm not sure the receiving game looks any better than it is right now. Come back for our third and final segment of the of Monday edition of the Locked on Sunnivals podcast. We do have a little bit more bad that we have to talk about. We focus mainly on the offense and the coaching staff so far. Now we're going to dig a little bit more into the defense and where they feel short this week. You're listening to the Locked on Sun Devils podcast. I know you're looking for it. How do I know that? It's because we all are. We're all looking for that protein bar that has a little bit of everything. It's got the best flavor, but it doesn't taste like a protein bar. Well, if you haven't tried it, or at least a built bar by now, you're just missing out. They say it's a protein bar, but it does not taste like one. And you're going to have to try one of these amazing bars for yourself to actually believe it. Most protein bars can be a little bit chalky or waxy, maybe even just plain hard to choke down. But a built Bar is soft, covered in 100% real chocolate, and when you bite into it, you know you're eating something different. It's more of an experience and one that I know you're going to enjoy. In fact, you'd even swear you're eating a candy bar. Built Bars are low in carbs, low calorie, low fat, low sugar, and high in protein. So all the healthy benefits on top of just being purely delicious. Another great benefit about Built Bar is there's so many mouth-watering flavors, including coconut raspberry, mint brownie, coconut almond, salted caramel, double chocolate, and cherry barsha. This month, Built is coming out with a new limited time flavor every three to four days. So check out their website early and often. You do not want to miss out on these deals. Go to Built.com and use promo code LOCK15 and get 50% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. We're back for our third and final segment of a Monday edition of the Lockdown Sentinels podcast. Now talking a little bit more about the defense. We, we've kind of been singing the defense's praises very much so throughout the season, and they deserve a lot of credit. They're one of the better defenses in the Pac-12, just about across the board, almost any stat you look for. But this week, they gave up 17 points in the first half. I understand if the offense had also just blown Oregon State's doors off and they were up 24-17, uh, we wouldn't be nearly as worried about the defense. So the offense, of course, deserves their share of blame. But they allowed Oregon State to dig themselves in a hole so early. And looking at the box score, it's not like it's it's anything very impressive. If you had told me their quarterback, Chance Nolan, was 12 of 18 for 90 yards and just a touchdown, I would have probably thought, okay, well, ASU did a really good job containing their offense as a whole. 
Uh, no chance didn't turn the ball over, but uh, okay. Like he didn't even have a hundred passing yards. We'd probably have a pretty good chance to win this game. They wouldn't have had to pick my job off the floor after you told us we lost by two possessions. I had talked, or Rich and I had both talked last week in the podcast. The secret to beating this team was containing BJ Baylor. Now I understand I can sit here in a podcast and talk about how easy that is. But if you put me on a football field against that guy, I'm also not going to stop him. But I'm not playing for the ASU Sun Devils defense. Some of these guys that are playing on their scholarships, they have earned their spots. They are, are veterans. They've been playing for four, maybe even five years. Like I understand that that Baylor has had a phenomenal season. So seeing that he got 150 total or, uh, rushing yards, not a huge surprise. But that was just absolutely backbreaking for this defense. The fact that they were they almost allowed him to get to that point. You just you're, you weren't doing yourself any favors. Oregon State was trying to keep the ball away from ASU's offense, and running the entire offense through BJ Baylor was absolutely perfect. After him, we had Jack Coletto, who had a huge touchdown run. I want to say it might have been towards the end of the third quarter. They were going for it on fourth and down, which I, I think I'm trying I'm trying to remember. ASU might have only been down uh, potentially a touchdown at that time and going for it on fourth, maybe your 30, 40 yard line. That would have been huge for the Sun Devils. Not only did Coletto pick up that touch or uh, the first down, he also ran it for an entire like 40 ish yards, 40, 50 yards uh, for a touchdown, which was just absolutely backbreaking for you at that point. You can't expect this team to be able to force as many turnovers as they have all season long. Because it feels like they're averaging like almost through a game. I'm not looking at their their season totals for fumble recoveries and interceptions. That's just what it feels like. It feels like this defense every single week is giving the offense extra possessions. And whether they do anything with it is almost a moot point at this point. But no turnovers and the hole they dug themselves in in the first half. I mean, Oregon State's offense, yes, I understand earlier this season they were playing pretty well. I think overall, as a team, they've gotten they've gotten better and better. Uh, not just the offense, but the defense as a whole. So losing to this team, it just is what it is. I, I will say for the ASU defense, it was one of the first couple of plays. I think in the fourth quarter, uh, DeAndre Pierce had dropped an interception that would have been huge. It would have gotten the ball in Oregon State territory. At least on the next play, uh, the Oregon State punter Luke Letcher, I think, is how you pronounce his name. Uh, he dropped the snap, which allowed ASU to take the ball over at the eight or the OSU four-yard line. So for everything that I, I was just talking about for the ASU defense, they at least gave them a little bit of life late in the fourth quarter. That I'm going to be able to, uh, I'm going to miss watching this ASU team. I, I think with so much turnover, that might be a, a quality aspect that you're going to continue to lose. Not that they're not going to get any turnovers at all, but the amount of playmakers on this defense, whether it's at linebackers or mainly in the secondary, it's going to be uh, a lot that you're going to have to replace. So where does that leave the Sun Devils from here? They've got one game left in the season. And what do they really have to play for? They, yes, they're going to, they're bowl eligible. Uh, they only needed six wins to get to that point. Are they probably going to beat U of A? Yes. But I, I think even on last week's podcast, we had talked like U of A has been playing people very, very tough. I, I think when I at least watch U of A football, to me, it feels like they are playing hard for their head coach. I'm not sure that ASU players are doing the exact same thing from Herm Edwards. Everything I see, everything I hear is that he's obviously a player's coach. You don't hear a darn thing about the guy that is in any way, shape, or form negative. 
regardless of what you see on the football field, as a person, as a coach, you hear a ton of great things, but I'm just not sure I see the same quality effort from the ASU players that I do from U of A, at least it feels like in terms of effort for their head coach. So one game left in the season. Can we chalk it up to a disappointment? 100% you can't. I think this was this was touted as the get-right year. After it's post-COVID, it is Jaden Daniels' third year worth of experience, essentially. Uh, it felt like you had a lot going in ASU's way in, in terms of momentum. Um, depending on who you were asking, they were definitely one of the favorites to win the Pac-12 South this year. Now, it's not like they're far off. They're probably going to end up in second place, but how you got there feels so disappointing. Knowing that you had the division within your grasp, at least at several points throughout the season. Uh, it's not like that one loss to Utah really ended up hurting you, but clearly that put you behind the eight ball later on in the season when you needed so much help, not just for the games that you were going to win, but teams to be able to beat Utah, uh, which didn't really end up happening. So we'll see. We'll see who even plays uh, with the upcoming uh, Reese's Senior Bowl, which isn't going to be until February, like beginning of February. We'll even see who's playing for the Sun Devils team. I would like to see a lot of the graduating players still just give uh, essentially one last hurrah for this whole team. I really don't want U of A to be able to come down into Tempe uh, and, and get a win towards the end of the season, kind of when ASU is riding almost at its lowest point. So one more great game. I think you're still going to be, you'll still see a, a couple core players returning for sure, namely Jaden Daniels, but well, uh, again, we'll, we'll have to see how this plays out. It's going to be a very interesting offseason for the athletic director, Ray Anderson. Just being able to take a, a look in the mirror and seeing what he wants for the future of, of ASU. I, I don't think I'm 100% uh, an advocate for like blowing things up when it does not really go your way from the start. I, I think there's been things that did not bounce Herm Edwards' way in the first couple seasons. But at the same time, you have to be able to see concrete progress. It's not so much that I think if they just flee from where they're at that they're going to get the next big thing at head coach and everything's going to be okay. But at the same time, everything that you've got going on right now, all the, the baggage that it feels like you have from the NCAA violations, the, the small recruiting class, uh, to what feels like it's going to be a pretty bad ASU team, uh, just without hindsight going into next season, I'm not even sure there's a great head coach out there that's going to say, hmm. I want that job. I absolutely have to be at ASU. Uh, so we are months away from having some of those other conversations, but tough loss, tough, tough loss to Oregon State. That didn't necessarily affect your season overall, mainly because Utah beating Oregon sealed them the, the Pac-12 South win. So uh, even if they did beat Oregon State, they wouldn't have been able to play for first place, but maybe even a moral, uh, a moral victory at least. But uh in tomorrow's edition of the podcast, make sure to come back. We're going to be talking about ASU's loss against SDSU. Uh, so, again, you can find us on Twitter. You can find me at Cedrios and find Richie at Richie Brads with a Z36. Make sure to follow our Twitter page for the Locked on Sun Devils podcast. That's at LO underscore Sun Devils. We have content that comes out Monday through Friday. You can find us on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Odyssey app, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Now, again, thank you for making us your first listen. Now make your second listen, Locked on Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked on Bets is hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. Keep it locked on with the Locked on Sun Devils podcast.